is Free Talk Live. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Just dial toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We've got a lot of features. We give them to you. So enjoy those on us. Again, that's freetalklive.com. So much to talk about here tonight, Mark. Of course, your calls are the primary element if you make them, but... I've got some disturbing news, and it's a bunch of disturbing news, and I'm, I'm not sure which one to start with. Post-acquittal detentions, a uh, 14-year-old girl tasered in the head, police chief denouncing cowardly iPhone users. Pick one. Police denouncing cowardly iPhone users. According to the Washington Examiner, area drivers looking to outwit police speed traps and traffic cameras are using an iPhone application and other global positioning system devices that pinpoint the location of the cameras. That has irked D.C. Police Chief Kathy Lanier, who promised her officers would pick up their game to counteract the devices, which can also help drivers dodge sobriety checkpoints. She told the examiner, I think that's the whole point of this program. It's designed to circumvent law enforcement. Law enforcement that is designed specifically to save lives. And annoy the crap out of you and (laughs) slow you down. Um, You know, these DUI sobriety checkpoints... I'm just guessing. You know, let me go out on a limb no, here. No, this isn't just sobriety checkpoints. This is speed traps and tra- traffic cameras. They're all of them. Right. right. I'm, I'm just. I'm, I'm okay. going to address sobriety checkpoints first off Got because it. a they generate probably more uh, more in the individual ticket than than most of these. I don't think the drunk people are accessing their iPhones. <laughs> um, to, uh, to avoid these sobriety checkpoints. I mean, if sobriety not, checkpoint yeah. anno- uh, checkpoints annoy the crap out of us sober people. Well, there may be somebody who's drunk enough to where they could be driving well and accessing an iPhone, but th- if they're driving if they're well, too drunk, what's then, the problem? Yeah, exactly. The new technology streams to iPhones and global positioning system devices sounding off an alarm as drivers approach speed or red light cameras. Lanier said the technology is a cowardly tactic. And people who overly rely on those and break the law anyway are going to get caught. (laughs) You're going to go to hell. (laughs) The greater D.C. area has 290 red light and speed cameras, comprising nearly 10% of all traffic cameras in the United States. Oh, my gosh. I always knew Washington, D.C. was bad news. But the more I learn about it, the worse it seems. (laughs) Well, driving there is a nightmare anyway. Yeah. So, um, you know, (laughs) I just... Adding speed cameras and traffic light cameras to it, no better. So Lanier, the Chile, uh, the chief of police, said the cameras have decreased traffic deaths. Red light. No, and that's st- not true. All the studies show that tra- the red light, uh, red light cameras increase traffic accidents. Mm. Red light and speed. I'm sure theirs are special though. Right, and they've uh, been a hot topic in Maryland for a while. When the governor signed a bill in May allowing local governments to place speed cameras in school and highway construction zones. And uh, blah, blah, blah. So they they go on to talk to some of the people that use these. Uh, the Phantom Alert, I guess, is the company that is putting this out. So credit to them. Founder and CEO Phantom Alert, Joe Scott, claimed nine out of ten police departments across the country support his software. He says that if the police come against us, it's going to make them look like they are only after revenue from the camera-generated That's citations. That's all they're there for. Right, but they try to position it as it being a safety well, issue, and you know, it, and that's what the Lou Rockwell blogs, where I found this out, they pointed out, and rightly so, that when the government positions these cameras as being a safety thing, they, 
they, they, they're in a real bad way because it's obvious that it's not. Because if, if it's all about safety, then they shouldn't have any problem with somebody, somebody holding a sign out in front of a speed trap. Uh, they shouldn't have any problem with people keying up on a CB radio and telling about speed traps. They shouldn't have any problem with this. This is the new version of the CB radio, basically, uh, of people keying in on their iPhones and their Blackberries or whatever right. and getting access to this information. That's going to slow people down, isn't it? Here's, here's the thing. Um, I think that, uh, that speed limit cameras could be used for the purpose of making uh, you know, the roads safer. But you have to put them everywhere they have to be all over the place and um they would uh you, you would have to um you know I, I forgot what the other the reason was but you know obviously that's going to sure, cost a, a lot of revenue um yeah. just to put cameras everywhere because if you move them around how do, how do they how do these uh, iPhones know that the cameras there they don't have Something there's a, f- a website or someone's a w- reported it, and then um, you know, the, the iPhone lets you know that you're in the vicinity that somebody has reported it. Is that how? There is a company called Phantom Alert, which is a Washington-based company. They're the ones that created the detection software. So I imagine if you'd Google Phantom Alert, all one word, then you would find out more about this. But essentially, it probably is either the company that's adding the uh, the cameras to the database. Either it's a Washington D.C. specific. Uh, program or it's operating in different cities. I this I do not know because well, it's based if the in Washington. The want to beat them on this one is all they have to do is move their cameras every day. Then I can't. I, I don't know well, how it works specifically, but not an easy task. Likely, These are permanently installed cameras, most likely. Well, then they they need to get mobile ones. They have them. They have mobile ones that uh, that detect your speed that tell you you're going 67 in a 35 mile an hour zone. You know they have those. So why couldn't they move others? Hey, get this. Because guys don't want to work. Well, exactly. Photo radar tickets generated nearly $1 billion in revenues for D.C. alone between 2005 and 2008. A billion dollars. So yeah. there's a real they market. They want the money. Well, and there's a real market incentive there for somebody like this Phantom Alert company or whoever else to come up with uh, with products and services that help people avoid those tickets. Same thing as radar detectors. That's why radar detectors are so popular is because it helps people avoid having to pay money to the government. It's an investment that could pay, uh, you know, pay for itself in no time. I usually radar detectors. They have the low end radar detectors, at least uh, that are, uh, you know, seventy five dollars, fifty dollars, and they're, you know, they're they're pretty good for the old style gun. But and and some police departments have those, and some don't. But the new lidar, you pretty much have to get one of the high end uh, radar detectors. Do they have to, jammers? They, can they, jam have, that they have a lidar bouncer, and I don't know how that works. Uh, they say that they'll pay your ticket for, uh, uh, you know, speeding, but That's is awesome. there a ticket for bouncing the LIDAR, and are they going to pay that one? I don't know. I but don't know I, either. I do know this. According to the story, the Phantom Alert company that created the software, it's apparently user-generated. So users go in, and they update the locations right. of this. So I suppose so the, could the bureaucrats be... could move these things every day if that's what they wanted to do. They could, or they could go into the software and try to confuse the software. But I'm sure there are people that are kind of keeping an eye on things to make sure that what software the the uh, the Phantom Alert again the Phantom Alert is How a are the company. How the bureaucrats going to screw with the software on the Phantom Alert? If they're a, they could sign they could up as a user, user and they could just put in fake information. Well, they handle that on Wikipedia pretty well. That's what I'm saying. I'm sure the users of Phantom Alert that are real Johnny on the spot about this are likely keeping an eye on things to make sure that stuff doesn't happen. 
So, so really, this is just saying that the government needs to do its job, and you'll always find the government saying, we don't want to do our job, and you're bad. Well, wait a minute, I mean, Mark. This is constant, though. I thought the job of the government, and it says this in a lot of government constitutions and things, I thought the go- job of the government was to protect life, liberty, and, and uh, the pursuit of property or pursuit of happiness. Seems to me like the marketplace is yelling loudly that they don't wish to be ticketed. That they're not interested. I mean, this is a market signal but saying, hey, people don't want to be ticketed, but they want roads to be safe. They have been told up till now, um, and, and you know, most people believe it, that going too fast, because you've seen, the reason is, is you've seen somebody who's going too fast for the environment that they're in. And you say, wow, that's dangerous. And it looks dangerous, mm-hmm. especially if they're on two wheels. The motorcyclists look the, the most dangerous, it seems to me. So they want that stopped, so they're willing to stop other people and you know the in, in the process. You listen to somebody who speeds, it's me and everybody else out there. Yeah. They're not going to say, let's get rid of speed limits. Most of them aren't willing to say that. Well, but I think that uh, most of the people that are using this service and uh, most of the people paying a billion dollars in revenues to D.C. would probably have appreciated not getting a ticket in the first place. Sure. And they would have ended up making it to their destination safely, whether or not they'd uh, gotten the ticket. There's going to be speed limits on any kind of road out there, whether it's a private market road or a a, a government road. Not necessarily. Montana didn't have them for a while. Right. And Montana doesn't have cars like like Washington, D.C. has cars. All I'm saying is, Mark, this is an indicator an economic indicator that says that people don't want this. They don't want these fines. That's they why these products That's why these products and services exist to to help people avoid these fines and it's clear that the government is not interested in serving people otherwise it would give people what they want and they don't want this. The government just does whatever it wants to do. The government people just decide arbitrarily to do things and they don't care what you think. They're going to take as much money from you and extract as much obedience from you as they possibly can. More on the way. You bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything if you dial toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's 1-800-259-9231. Coming up, we'll tell you about uh, the Social Security number and how it's really anything but secure. 800-259-9231 is the number for you, and you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We get a lot of features, including live streams, broadband version of the show, and a dial-up version. Both are free for you at listen.freetalklive.com. Also, the webcam is there as well, listen.freetalklive.com. Let's go to your phone calls and talk to Scott in Wisconsin. Scott, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello there. Hi, this is uh, Crazy Scott that called you last week. Um, how you guys doing, Mark and Ian? Okay, Scott, what's on your mind tonight? Well, I just want to thank you guys for uh, bearing with me when I talked to you about that situation last week. But, hey, I wanted you guys... Don't even remember what it was. Go ahead well, with your thoughts okay, tonight. Okay, well, uh, that's all right. You, you'll find it, the people can find it in your... I, they sure can. So what's uh, on your mind, Scott? I wanted to talk about, did you hear what our vice president said over the weekend? I don't have a vice president. <laughs> well, the vice, our vice president of the United States. Oh, well, you keep saying our vice president. If it's your vice president, that's fine, but I don't believe in that sort of stuff. But go ahead with your thoughts. What did he say? Well, well you know Joe Biden. Yeah, that guy. I don't know him, but yes, go ahead. Okay. He said over the weekend that we'd have the green light uh, for to Israel that if they wanted to hit Iran, that they could. That's correct. I uh, heard that on the news. That well, uh, I guess Obama said that they don't have the green light, so I just wanted you guys to comment on that. 
Well, I suspect they have the green light. It's just that they don't want the media to be telling people that they have the green light. It would be my guess. Right. And then and also another thing that would be affecting you guys and me and everybody, um, how are you guys doing on the hate speech bill that has uh, been passed by the House of Representatives, and it's going to go uh, before the Senate, I guess, the middle of next week. And from my understanding, if that gets passed by the Senate, we can't uh, talk about uh, anything that hurts anybody's feelings because we can be arrested for it if that passes. Yeah, I don't know. I, I mean, I haven't heard much about it beyond just listening to callers to this radio show. And, I mean, I always just have to kind of believe what they say because I certainly don't have the time to go and read a piece of legislation myself. I mean, clearly the legislators don't have time to read it. How could I? I actually have a, something to do with my time. So uh, so I don't know exactly what the ramifications are, but I'm sure that uh, we'll see something pop up on Lou Rockwell or somebody will really boil down exactly what this means because it's hard to just say that, oh, well, yes, because people have called in and, and claimed that that's going to be the case, that that's actually going to be the case. But presuming you're right, presuming what you're saying is, is true and correct, uh, then that's pretty disturbing news. It means that uh, the United States will become more like uh, Canada, for instance, where they do already have had laws like that on the books for a long time and they do go after people who say what are considered offensive things but it's nice that nobody gets their feelings hurt in canada <laughs> as though that uh, is actually the case thank you for the call tonight uh, appreciate that and i appreciate the concern i i don't see why it wouldn't pass right i mean there's, who wants somebody's feelings to get hurt right? there's all kinds of uh, legislation that's in the pipe and uh, none of it sounds too good to me but what did you expect and that's how it's been for the last several uh, decades, uh, my entire life in this country. Things just keep getting worse. And every four years, you're told that, well, it just elects somebody different who's also a Republican or a Democrat, and that'll change everything. And everybody, and a lot of people just keep believing it. Not everybody. Some people kind of get it, that it's a big scam, and they drop out, but they don't know what to do. Right. Well, there, there really isn't much to do, honestly. And then there's some people that get that it's a big scam, but they still don't know what to do, so they keep playing in the system and keeping their fingers crossed and hoping that something will change. Uh, and of course, Ron Paul actually did seem to scratch the surface of maybe making something uh, happen with uh, his candidacy in 2008, but... You know, nothing really came out of that. Oh, and didn't the Senate, didn't I hear that the Senate voted down the audit the Fed bill or something like um, that? They just signed on like uh, Feingold, too, onto their, uh, I, I don't I don't think the end of the Fed bill, or excuse me, uh, the audit the Fed bill is dead by any stretch. Okay, I thought I heard something again through the rumor mill. I, I saw a Facebook update from somebody saying that, Darn the Senate for voting down the uh, the audit the Fed bill. I think that uh, articles like that, uh, you know, take the wind out of people's sails and really don't uh, do anything good for. So wait, is it true? Down. Did they uh, did they vote it down? It's not. No, it's not voted down. I oh, mean, okay. They're still they're still just still putting people on. I don't even know that it's been voted in the House of Representatives yet. They just have 244 sponsors or something like that. Hmm. I thought I saw maybe it was they removed it from the Senate version or something like that. I don't know. Somebody can call in and yeah, and, and clear me clear up, up on that because I'm confused. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. But look forward to uh, more freedom stealing uh, methods and legislation to come out of Washington D.C. very very soon. In fact, on that topic, we will tell you in moments about post acquittal detentions. That's something they're talking about. Well, that sounds really freedom oriented, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Post acquittal detentions. First, let's talk to Jonathan in Oklahoma. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Jonathan. Oh. 
Hello, guys. How's it going? Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Hey, I called last night about the emergency order of detainment. Um, I'm one of those guys that just recently dropped out of the whole political system, realizing how big of a sham it is. However, I work in an emergency department, and, uh, you know, from time to time we get people that come in who are a threat to themselves or others. And the question that I have is, is it, does this violate a person's rights to who has attempted suicide or has threatened to harm themselves or others to have an emergency order of detainment uh, essentially prescribed to them by a doctor and then sent over to a psychiatric hospital for 72 hours. This is what they call the Baker Act in the state of Florida, if I'm not, or if I'm recalling correctly. From state to state, it varies on yeah. what it's called. And here in Oklahoma, it's emergency order detainment. And you know, having to to go through this process uh, as as a caregiver, I you know, I question: Is this a right thing to do for people, or is it? This you know, is a hard, hard their... question, and I don't know if I have a good answer for it. I, uh, I'm not sure exactly, because if you are having some sort of an episode or an issue, and your friends, for instance, let's say it's your friends, not some doctor, let's say it's your, your family that, uh, that kind of takes you into one of these places, then who's responsible for that action? Is it uh, the responsibility of the hospital for taking you in? Is it the responsibility of your friends for taking you there in the first place? Do they share responsibility? Uh, also, after the fact, uh, is there liability? Does the person who was taken in, let's say they return to sanity, uh, do they have the ability to go after those people? And if so, why would anybody go ahead and do that uh, if they were going to be found liable for taking somebody's freedom away from them? Should crazy people be free to be crazy, you know, as long as they're not burning things down or, or killing right. people? I'm hard-pressed to say that they should be taken away from themselves. I'm sure somebody could paint a real horrific picture and, and come up with a reason why this, isn't a, this would be an appropriate thing to do, but I, I have a real tough time with this one. I'd love to yeah, have some input on it. For, uh, I, I, I do, too. I just, uh, you know, the thing is, is as, a, as a nurse, you know, my, my job is to help people out and you know sometimes people go into these uh you know EODs and they get the help that they need however I'm also an advocate if you want to in your life that's your your choice and your responsibility mm -hmm. but then where does the line get drawn when somebody's in on our uh, uh e comes in our ER and you know they're damn near dead what what where do, where do we go from there I want to bring you back here in a moment. We can look into this a little deeper, and I uh, would like to hear what you think about this, Mark. 800-259-9231. Are you somebody who's in the mental health field? Do you have any comments on this? We'd love to hear your thoughts at 800-259-9231. It's Free Talk Live. Are you moving to New Hampshire for the Free State Project? Maybe you are already here and need to find a place to call your own. Mark Warden, the Porcupine Realtor, will help you find the perfect property. Do you want a home with 50 acres of land? How about an income-producing building, perhaps a cabin on a lake or a condo in an urban area? Invest in liberty and property. Contact Mark Warden, Porcupine Realtor. See his banner ad at freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up anything if you dial toll-free, 800-259-9231. It's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's 1-800-259-9231. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, freetalklive.com. 
com features including updates. Get signed up. We keep you in the loop whenever there's something you need to know about Free Talk Live. Just go to updates.freetalklive.com. Get on the list free. That's updates.freetalklive.com. Uh, just as a quick insert, I did find the story from Reuters about the audit the Fed bill. Apparently, the Senate has indeed cast it aside, uh, essentially, where on procedural grounds they blocked a bid to permit the audit the Fed uh, stuff from going through, essentially, to, uh, from being attached to some piece of legislation, basically. So it's not to say it can't come back. It it may very well come back in a, in a different form. It's, it's got 245 uh, sponsors in the House. Yeah. That makes it a pretty strong piece of legislation. Just saying. Uh, initial results are they've... Uh, the, Thrown it out. Uh, so not sure what that's going to mean for the long term, but I wouldn't get my hopes up. Let's go back to Jonathan in Oklahoma asking some good uh, questions about how mental health might be dealt with. Somebody who possibly is a danger uh, to themselves or others, how that uh, that situation might be dealt with in the absence of a governmental violent monopoly uh, over coercive force. Uh, Jonathan, other thoughts for us? Go ahead before we continue the discussion. Uh, well... My, my biggest question is is that most most uh, state mental uh, most mental health hospitals are ran by the state. There are a few hospitals that will offer more of a specialty psychiatric health, uh, a la geriatric psych or pediatric psych, whatever. Uh, but most of the hospitals are ran by the state. What I'm really kind of curious is how is the free market going to essentially fund these places? Uh, for people in need of this. And now the the EOD thing, I what I was really wanting to know is does this violate somebody's personal right to uh, go ahead and continue suicide? But when you, you say know, EOD uh, EOD you mean emergency order of detainment. And correct. actually Johnson uh, while he was here a couple weeks ago dug up a story that we never had a chance to get to from uh, Sheldon Richmond at the Future of Freedom Foundation, which is, by the way, a really great, uh, really principled organization. And Sheldon addresses this in a lengthy article, which we're not going to have, I don't think, the the time to read the whole thing, but there's uh, some excerpts here that I think will be food for thought. So let me share these while we've got you on the line. Uh, uh, Part of the story says that a person diagnosed as mentally ill and judged to be a danger to himself or others has practically none of the rights enjoyed by the rest of us. Such a person could be committed to a hospital and forcibly administered drugs or other brutal psychiatric interventions. Or he could be subjected to outpatient commitment, uh, according to which he'll be compelled to take drugs. If he refuses, he can be hospitalized, that is, locked up. It's estimated that some 2 million people are committed uh, against their will in the United States each year. Now, notice the failure, he points out, uh, Sheldon points out, to distinguish between harm to oneself and to others. So I think that is an important point to make. Uh, if somebody is an is a threat to others, if they're going to hurt somebody or they have hurt somebody, then clearly there's action that can be taken there. Right. So we can deal with that particular issue of as far as the question of how would that be paid for. Uh, Charity, I'm sure, would be an option. I don't know. Uh, normally when we talk about criminals putting violent criminals in jail cells, we talk about that they might be able to uh, to pay for that by having the criminals work. Of course, it would be up to the criminals to work. If they didn't work, they might not really be eating very well. Uh, they'd get like the most bare subsistence kind of food in that, in that case. How well that kind of a system would work with mental health patients, I don't know. I'm sure there's a wide gamut of people that are in the, you know, the mental health system. 
But right. I think that uh, that I think there are a lot of people out there that are concerned about mental health and probably would be willing to contribute to that. Charity is sort of the easy answer. What other ways would the marketplace come up with to turn that into a well, profitable thing? Ha- what handled uh, mental health up until you know, the relatively recent decades? Yeah, I don't I don't want to just rest on charity to say that's the only way it would work. Uh, there could be other things that the marketplace would uh, would innovate that might be able to help pay the bills and, you know, maybe partially charity, partially something else. Hard to exactly say how it would work. But then we get to the issue of what about people who are harmed to themselves? And right. that's when the, you know, the, the sticky part about, well, if you love this person, you don't want to see them harm themselves. Is it your business to get into their business? Yeah, that, that's that's the biggest thing in the uh, in, in the field that I work in is when we get somebody who's, Potentially uh, on the edge of uh, life or death, and they've they've done this to themselves, you know. And it's one of those things. It's like, well, should we just? I mean, legally, I cannot just sit back and let the guy die on the table. We have to, you know, essentially intervene in any way we can. But you know, then again, it, it comes to the question. I guess more of a personal question is, well, why are we doing this if this person? Uh, chose to do this. And That's a great point. I mean, it's, it's, it goes back to the conversation I think we were having with Julia about how every life is so sacred uh, that even to the point of, of drawing out somebody who's in a critical situation with terminal illness, with a, uh, with a very painful life that they're living, some people would say, well, they have to be kept alive as long as possible because there's some inherent value to sucking air. Uh, right. So, yeah, maybe you're right. I mean, maybe crazy people who want to hurt themselves should be allowed to do that. I don't know. I really yeah. don't. I mean, I, it's easy for me to sit here and say that when uh, I don't have a loved one who's gone insane uh, that I have to deal with. Uh-huh. So, yeah, man, is this a difficult situation. Mark, you've been kind of absorbing all this. Well, it's, quite, quite honestly, this is a dangerous, air, a dangerous area for libertarians to tread. To act like I can, uh, when I know nothing about mental health, to you know, just come up with some kind of blanket solution. It's not an easy. It's probably one of the hardest issues to look at from yeah. the libertarian perspective. And I congratulate you for finding that particular issue. But um, <laughs> you know, I would also like to point out that we're doing a really crappy job of handling mental health today. Oh, for sure. Yeah, we are. It is. And so um, you know, if you were to go to a system where uh, people. We had a more voluntary situation in mental health, and uh, you know there were hospitals that were supported by charity. And you know what? Maybe they initiate force on crazy people. I don't know. I just don't know. But it's well, if the crazy person is again a threat to another person, then that makes sense to protect the other people from them. But if all they want to do is slice their wrists open. Uh, that's a that's a messy situation because then we get into the then we're back to the question of well what happens if you it's kind of a a, a different version of the question of well Mark you're standing in front of a, a bus that's oncoming and I come in and I push you out of the way mm-hmm. uh you wanted to kill yourself in that uh, in that case and I saved you from killing yourself am I then liable uh for what I've done to you what 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 damages have you what harm have you caused <laughs> I don't know but it's just kind of the general question yeah, I guess you had originally created that with the the issue of I I hurt you in right. some way when Broke I pushed my collarbone you. while um when, yeah. when I landed am I, am I then liable and I would say yes that by taking the risk of stepping in to help somebody who who may not have wanted my help 
I have exposed myself to liability. So I think some people would uh, would take that risk, and some people wouldn't. And sometimes it would work out, and sometimes it wouldn't. But I do know that in all of those cases, in a free marketplace, there would be a professional arbiter or arbitrator that would be hearing each case and would not be judging a case based on uh, you know some code that was written down that wouldn't necessarily fit the case, as the government code frequently is just not. They just can't write enough different versions of it or iterations to to fit all of the possibilities for life. So being so having some sort of arbitrator being able to take in all of the information and make a decision as to whether or not you know this person should be liable for harming somebody's uh, freedom or not, I think would result in a much better system. Would there still be injustice? Probably. Would there still be confusion? It's, it's a confusing issue. Uh, but I, I, I like where Mark is coming from in that uh, we've got a real bad way. A, a bad system today, right? Well, the, the yeah, idea I mean, it, it, and, and it seems like most of the, you know, uh, in, in the case of like the uh, Iraq veterans, you know, they get back and essentially all they do is a screen, and are you having these kind of problems? You know, the minute they get off the plane, and then no, and then these mental health issues, you know, PTSD or whatever, pop up months years later that's a brilliant point that and i thank you for the call tonight great discussion we might dig into it a little further into this uh, this article see what it has to say but great point that the military the government itself is one of the biggest contributors to people having uh, mental problems more on the way this is free talk live This is Free Talk Live. You take control of the airwaves. Bring up anything. Toll-free number 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. All of our features are free on the website. Those other talk show hosts, they want to charge you to access their sites. Ours is free at freetalklive.com. And if you like the show and you want to voluntarily support us, well, we invite you to do so by becoming an amplifier for as little as three bucks a month. We'll take that money in and reinvest it into the show, get on more radio stations around the country, bring more Internet listeners on board as well, expose new people to the ideas of freedom. So please become an amplifier at amp.freetalklive.com. You'll get perks too, like access to the amp-only call-in lines, chat room, forum, and more. Again, amp.freetalklive.com. There are lots of reasons you might want to hide your valuables around your home. Bank failures, burglars, ex-spouses, your kids, housekeepers. StashYourSwag.com gives you more than 100 common places around your home, most with little or no modification. The guide contains detailed pictures, and all of the modifications are under $50. It's StashYourSwag, S-W-A-G.com. It's an ebook. It's under 7 bucks. StashYourSwag.com. All right, so I'm going to continue on this uh, topic here that Jonathan brought up because it's one that really hasn't gotten a lot of attention on this show. And according to the Future of Freedom Foundation's Sheldon Richman, it's a topic that just doesn't get much attention in the liberty movement, period. It's a topic that doesn't get much attention anywhere, anywhere. anytime. And that is mental illness, or what they call mental illness, and that's going to be addressed here because it's not really a, an accurate term. Uh, but the idea of if somebody is a danger to themselves, that they should be put into some sort of crazy house for 72 hours or however long it takes forced medication upon them. Uh, according to this story at Free Future Freedom Foundation, it happens to over 2 million Americans every single year. They're just <laughs> locked away. 
And so let me continue this story here. Uh, as it points out, as Sheldon points out, if a person refuses, he can be hospitalized, and that is locked up. It's estimated that 2 million people are committed against their will every year in the U.S. Also, under the diagnosis of mental illness, a person may ask to be excused for having committed a crime. The insanity plea can even be entered on behalf of a defendant against his will. If acquitted by reason of insanity, a defendant is hospitalized and not imprisoned. But that only means that he, unlike a criminal, is locked up for an indefinite period and forcibly given drugs and other treatments. All such people are diagnosed purely on the basis of their behavior and their statements. Right. The the idea that people are found innocent uh, by reason of insanity and then locked up in uh, yeah. in uh, mental hospitals that look remarkably like prisons, for one, propagates the the idea that people get away with uh, crimes through our criminal justice system. Mm-hmm. And the I, <laughs> if you look at from arrest through uh, conviction, uh, you'll find that very, 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 very few people are found innocent. A few more are, uh, you know, acquitted, I Mm -hmm. guess acquitted and innocent, the same thing. A few more are, their their cases are dropped on technicalities. But the vast majority of them, if if the arrest, you know, actually goes beyond arrest into a real uh, trial situation. Right. Then they're going. You're going. You're, <laughs> you're going to get found uh, guilty. That's how the system works. All the su- system pays itself by finding people guilty. All such people are diagnosed purely on the basis of their behavior and statements. And this might come as a, spri- uh, as a surprise, since the media is full of stories about supposed brain disorders as the causes of mental illness. In fact, psychiatrists do not perform physical exams on people, much less do brain scans. Besides, if mental illness were really brain illnesses or mental illnesses were really brain illnesses they would be they would not uh, they would be treated not by psychiatrists but by neurologists as real brain illnesses like alzheimer's and parkinsons are some need not to uh, some need not to comment some need not comment commit rather a common law crime it's all this highlighting that johnson did on the article uh, someone need not commit a common law crime to come under suspicion of mental illness. The expert judgment of danger to self or others is not a scientific conclusion. It's a prediction about unpredictable human beings. And I think this is part of the slippery slope that is the idea that somebody should be locked up for being a danger to oneself or others. Sure. And because who the, defines? Who says? The other side of this is, uh, you know, what about these people that are clearly just bat crap crazy out there you've everybody's seen seen him walking around right there's there's a guy named i think his name's mike in downtown sarasota uh that you know he he's he talks to people he talks to his pack of cigarettes and uh he wanders around (laughs) without a shirt and his hair is nappy he happens to be a black man um his hair's you know nappy he sleeps in the 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 alleyway there but you know odd thing is Mike somehow has been making his life work for several years. He's been a fixture, right? And he's not hurting anybody. Yeah. I don't know whether he's stolen anything. You would think that somebody that uh, that poor is liable to, uh, you know, have slippery morals on stealing. But you know, it, somehow his his life is 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 progressing okay for him. But if some somebody who thinks they know best steps into that situation with Mike or whoever it is the the alleged crazy person is and says. Boy, you're not right. You're not right in the mind. He's not. So we're going to put you in this cell and give you some drugs. 
Uh, that's the, that's just it. The question becomes, who draws the line at what is and what is not appropriate? Who right. draws the line at what is and what is not right because as far Mike as behavior? Because clearly doesn't want this. The uh, Salvation Army is just around the corner. Mm-hmm. The, the the colonel of the Salvation Army there in Sarasota knows the guy by name. He's gone down there. He's talked talks to him on a regular basis, asking him if he'll come to the Salvation Army. But they can't force him to sure. because, well, he's he's getting fed by the local restaurants around there. I guess he sleeps in an alleyway and between a, a couple of uh, garbage cans and everything's for him. Life is good. Yep. <laughs> Psychiatric confinement, thus, is preventative detention, which ordinarily is recognized as a violation of libertarian principles, not to mention Western legal tradition. So why should the subject interest libertarians? Well, if the law permitted individuals to be committed to a religious institution and subjected to exorcism whenever a clergyman certified that the subject was possessed by the devil, libertarians would protest loudly. Yet when something similar happens in the name not of religion, but of science and medicine, most libertarians ignore, if not accept it. It's strange, to say the least, but it gets little discussion in the libertarian literature. Why? Well, that's what Thomas Zatz, I hope I'm pronouncing that right, S-Z-A-S-Z, would like to know. It's a question he explores in his newest book, Faith in Freedom, Libertarian Principles in Psychiatric Practices. It'll be controversial because, in part, Sotz bluntly discusses the mental health views of some libertarian heroes, including Ayn Rand, Nathaniel Brandon, uh, Hayek, Nozick, Rothbard, and others. But the, uh, the book is more of a study of libertarian thinkers. Particularly fascinating is Zotz's linking of psychiatry with establishment economics. He shows that in both cases, an agenda for social control is disguised in the terms of value-free science. He demonstrates that neither it's uh, a science... Neither is a science like physics or biology, but a pseudoscience or scientism. When an economist proposes regulation, a price control, or a tax in the name of economic health, he resembles a psychiatrist who proposes to hospitalize, drug, or electroshock people in the name of mental health. In both cases, the pseudoscientist advocates the initiation of physical force against innocent people or the threat of physical force without acknowledging that fact. He argues, Sotz does, that the term mental illness is in fact a category error. It refers to behavior, including statements, but behavior is not illness. In real medicine, an illness is a health-threatening defect in cells, tissues, or organs. Mental illness refers to bad or disturbing behavior. The idea that illness can cause behavior undercuts the very idea of person. Human action has reasons, not causes. Mental illness cannot be a real illness because the mind is not a body part. He, as he once put it, mind is a verb and not a noun, thus it's not something that can become sick. If that's so, then psychiatry is revealed as pseudo-medicine, psychiatric diagnosis as lies, commitment as preventative detention, and involuntary treatments as assaults. Why have libertarians, including some of the greatest ones, been willing to take at face value a profession, psychiatry, that was born in the arms of the state and that is authorized by law to initiate violence against those who have violated no one's rights? One reason is surely intellectual modesty, the belief that psychiatry is an esoteric specialty which people outside the profession are incapable of judging, but that excuse will not do. As Sotz writes in his book... From social scientists, that is, from students of human affairs, especially if their interests encompass issues of individual liberty and personal responsibility, I believe we ought to expect more. They ought to be able to familiarize themselves with the few truths and many falsehoods about the medical specialty called psychiatry. Why psychiatry? Because psychiatric interventions, in particular civil commitment 
and the uh, diversions from the criminal justice to the mental health system are the most common and most widely and uncritically accepted methods used by the modern state to deprive individuals of liberty and responsibility. It's an interesting uh it's an interesting discussion an interesting topic and I think that libertarians and liberty-minded people really need to take a long hard think uh on this one to sit down and think about this one because I, it's not respecting somebody else's freedom it's not allowing others to be free to involuntarily commit them to some sort of psychiatric treatment as strange as that might seem to some of you out there you've got to allow others to be free if you yourself wish to be free and that even means if you think they're crazy. Because they could say you're crazy. We're they, all crazy. They have said it, right? They've said that the uh, those constitutionalists and those freedom people are crazy. They're dangerous. Hour 2 is coming up. Free Talk Live. Attention, all active duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public, like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. On your feet and get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into the second hour of the program. You can bring up whatever you want. Just dial toll-free 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. 1-800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features we give away. Those other talk show hosts charge you. Ours is free. Enjoy it at freetalklive.com. That's freetalklive.com. Last hour... We had Jonathan call in from Oklahoma and bring up a really excellent question about mental health and the idea of mental illness, which, as Thomas Sotz points out in uh, in one of his books, is not, in fact, an illness at all, at least not the ones that we're commonly told are mental illnesses. And so um, the, the, the whole idea of, well, should people be involuntarily committed uh, if they're supposedly a danger to themselves? Or to themselves, should be should they be locked away for 72 hours or or longer? Uh, and I say that's a slippery slope. I say it's dangerous because if you accept that if some man or woman, some psychiatrist determines uh, there that, so, that there's something's wrong with you or your loved one, if you accept that, then you accept the, just that premise that somebody else gets to determine just based on their own preferences as far as what they consider appropriate behavior or right. not to lock you away in a cell. Some expert comes in and says, that guy's crazy. And it really it, it's a dangerous uh, precedent to set because... At this point, the government is already trying to classify certain types of people, you know, certain psychographs, whether they're people that believe that the, you know, believe thoroughly in the Constitution or whether they're people that believe thoroughly in peace, sovereignty, or whatever. They're calling those people 
crazy, and they're calling them terrorists. Yeah, you're crazy if you don't love government. You know, and w- then when you have a socialized uh, health care system, then those psychiatrists and psychologists, they're getting paid by the government. You don't think they'll be incentivized to do what the government says? They'll, you don't think they'll be incentivized to say, oh, that guy's crazy. I'm sure I can already find psychologists that'll say I'm crazy. Let's go to uh, somebody who might have a little more expertise uh, in this than we do. Ladies first, it's Stephanie in New Hampshire, and I believe you are a student in the medical field or you are currently working in the medical field or both. Am I correct about that? Yes, Ian, that's right. I'm a a medical student. Excellent. So uh, your thoughts on all this? Well, um, you were talking about involuntary commitment and Sort of the first thing that came to my mind um, about how that would be handled in a truly free society is uh, is very similar to the way that um, things like uh, do not intubate and do not resuscitate um, wishes are handled right now, which is that um, people have these things, advanced directives, or sort of um, documents that specify how they would like to be treated um, in case some life-threatening situation happens to them mm-hmm. and they're very ill. And so they can sign these things that specify their wishes very specifically and um, can even designate um, family members to sort of uh, be in charge of making difficult decisions that might come up. And so I think um, in a really free market, you might see something like that um, in order to handle uh, the question of whether someone would be okay with being involuntary, involuntarily committed to some sort of facility. That makes they, sense. You're right. If they, for instance, became suicidal or if they became um, a threat to someone else. But what are the, what's the likelihood, to... though? I mean, I see where you're coming from, and I agree with it, and I like what you're saying. But what's the likelihood that uh, a lot of people would engage in that? I mean, I, I, don't have a, I, I don't have a preference as far as DNR or anything like that. I, I, I know I could go and get it if I wanted it, but I just, I just haven't. It's just not something that interests me. Do you think it would be something it, where uh, you'd have to have a provision to, in order to get a, an insurance policy of some sort? Or what would be the incentive beyond just to, to care about the, their loved ones uh, to, to go and, and get signed up for some sort of protection like that? Well, that was exactly what I was thinking is that um, it, insurance companies might offer that incentive and say, okay, before we cover you, there's a few things we need to go over. I want you to think about um, what would happen in a situation like this. Would you want to be treated this way? Would you want to be um, treated if you became suicidal or would you just want to be kind of left alone? Um, and mm-hmm. also people, doctors, you know, physicians nowadays, um, a lot of them have sort of brochures and information about um you know, sort of advanced directives in their offices, and I think that's sort of a campaign that a lot of uh, physicians engage in because, you know, they want people to be able to dictate their own um, wishes at the end of life, and mm-hmm. I, I've seen a lot of physicians who have conversations with, the, with their patients about that. Sounds good to me. Mark, your thoughts? It, it, she's an expert. I'm not the one. <laughs> you know. Oh, not an expert. <laughs> just, just offering some thoughts. Well, I mean, you, you, it was severe, severe depression. You know, I, I really think, um, it, you know, Thomas Zaz, I'm familiar with his, his writing and stuff, and he has a lot of very good points about mental illness. Um, but, you know, sometimes you, you see people and they, they have really severe depression, and it's not something that they choose. It's not something that's their fault. It's just... It's really an organic sickness, and it's not well understood scientifically, but it really is an illness, and sometimes it can really take them out of their right mind. And I think um, if you could reach people, maybe when they were in their right mind, they would be able to make clear and um, and decisions that, that fit them well in a situation like that. 
Well said tonight, Stephanie. I, I've got nothing else to say on this. <laughs> Thanks for wrapping it up. Any other thoughts? Later. Thank you. Thank you for the call. 800-259-9231. That's exactly what I was looking for. Somebody who actually knows a thing or two. Yeah. <laughs> Rather than us blabber mouths here. Uh, so, yeah, we'll take your calls about anything. Todd is on the line in Georgia. What's on your mind tonight, Todd? Well, I'm, I'm so glad you uh, took that call from, uh, from her just then. Um, I have been diagnosed with depression for uh, six years now, and I probably had it a lot longer. And it's a disease that isn't really understood, and, and she said it perfectly, that uh, you can really be not in your right mind. Um, I, just, I can't believe the, the description of mental illness by the person you were talking about who said that it's basically not a, a real illness because it doesn't affect uh, body tissue or, or cells or anything. But that's not true. It affects brain cells physically. And, you know, they've done all kinds of studies in CAT scans. Well, I think that I, I think that he was making some exceptions for things that actually do affect the, the, the mind or to affect or, or affect the body, rather. Yeah, uh, but he dismissed mental illness as if all mental illness didn't exist. He, he was talking like a Scientologist. Well, I, I think he didn't. What I'm pointing out here is I believe that he made some exceptions in his article, uh, pointing out that some of it does exist, like Alzheimer's, for instance, and, and you're pointing out depression. He didn't mention depression, but perhaps he would have. I, I don't know. I, again, I haven't read of, the book. Of many, many mental illnesses. And if, I mean, I've talked, you were talking about what do you do with people who uh, are not in their right mind and would you just lock them up and... And you were kind of sarcastic about giving them treatment in this hospital. I've known folks that, uh, through uh, my therapy group, that have been hospitalized. Uh, I don't know if they were voluntarily or involuntarily hospitalized, but they're all very thankful that uh, they were in the hospital and were treated with medication. And uh, Todd, that's a clear um, difference there, like the, the voluntary versus involuntarily being. Uh, uh, hospitalized, and my wife had took uh, depression medication at some point too. And, you know, I, I understand. I think we've all been through times like that, and some people have it worse than others. And and I wouldn't say that that uh, that um, you know that that people that is not a legitimate illness. I under I, I have some problems. I got it first. I I got the vibe that you know you you can't let uh, you can't just dismiss an entire scientific field because it doesn't jibe with your politics. I mean, I'm all for. A free market solution to I'm I'm uh, you know also a, a volunteerist and and I think that whatever I I liked her idea that the last caller said setting up some uh, you know prerequisite when you already are in a, in a right mind you could say well you know if if I am a danger to myself or my loved ones please. Uh, put me in a hospital and get me the help that I need. You're, you're, you're collapsing these things again, Todd. Being I mean, a danger to your uh, loved ones is different than being a danger to yourself. Uh, you, you said that you've had depression for the last six years. What would you want to do? What would you want someone to do right now if you felt suicidal? If I felt suicidal, I would want someone to put me in a hospital to get treatment. Okay. And you were saying, who how are you going to pay for you that? You were saying, who, who decides? Who's going to make this decision? Well, a private psychologist. That person's doctor, not anybody from the government. But I'm that with person's you. Doctor, who's going to pay for it? Private insurance. Okay. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I'm I think that, I'm uh, all for a private free market solution. Right. I think that what he was saying in the in the article is that there's a lot of things that are called mental illnesses that are not in point of fact illnesses. Not that everything that's called a mental illness is not an illness. That a lot of things that are called illnesses are not illnesses. So, like, if you don't like the government, for instance, they might call that a mental illness. Is that a mental illness? No, certainly not. I thank you for the call. More on the way. It's Free Talk Live. <laughs> 
This is Free Talk Live. You take control of the airwaves. If you dial toll-free, 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. 800-259-9231. And tonight it's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All of the features we give to you, so enjoy those on us. And those features include the Shrine of Female Listeners. Dozens of ladies who've taken the time to send us their validated photo and prove they listen to the show. Head over to shrine.freetalklive.com. Do you want to pay higher prices for goods and services? Well, you do every time someone doesn't pay their bills. That's one of the many compelling reasons that SACL CAI has been the cornerstone of collections for more than 35 years. Before you pay higher prices, think whether the business, be it bank, hospital, retail store, or utility, could use some help with their collections to contain costs so that they're not passed on to you. Tell them to call the dedicated collections experts at SACL CAI for a no-cost, no-obligation proposal. SACL CAI, you can see their banner at freetalklive.com. All right, toll-free number 800-259-9231. We have been talking about the idea of mental illness. As Todd in Georgia pointed out, uh, there's there's... Mental illness, some of it actually is an illness, and then as Thomas Sotz was pointing out in uh, in his book that was being reviewed over at the Future of Freedom Foundation, a lot of things that are called mental illnesses aren't actually illnesses at all. It's just somebody's behavior that somebody else, usually someone in a position of authority, uh, power over others, doesn't like. And so Alex uh, from New Jersey sent this along in the chat room, reminding me of something we've talked about in the past. And that is the antisocial, uh, anti-social behavior order. You remember what that is? Sound familiar to you? It sounds familiar, and I couldn't uh, quote a, a bit of it. It's a civil order, according to Wikipedia, made against a person who's been shown to have engaged in antisocial behavior. Could be like littering or spitting or cursing in public or whatever. I'm sure there's a long list uh, of, of what this antisocial behavior is. Yeah. What is? Uh, in fact, here's some more. Here's some of it: noisy neighbors, drunken behavior. Uh, abandoning cars, stealing, mugging, shoplifting, begging, vandalism, loitering, littering, recreational drug use, stealing, uh, intimidation, whistling, noise pollution, bear dodging, spitting. So I'm, I'm sure it goes on. Spitting. Yeah. So they will issue you the ASBO, as they are being called, uh, and may be issued in response to conduct which was which caused or was likely to cause harm, harassment, alarm, or distress. To one or more persons not of the same household as him or herself, as where an ASBO is seen as necessary to protect relevant persons from further antisocial acts. And I don't know if that means that they can uh, just snatch you up off the streets because of the ASBO. It says here, well, antisocial. These things always come. You know, the 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 temperature on the stove has to be turned up a little bit until they can just snatch you up. Yeah, for that. It, it takes time. Uh, typical asbos. An antisocial behavior order is an order of the court which tells an individual over ten years old how they must not behave. An order can contain only negative prohibitions. It cannot put, contain a positive obligation. To obtain an ASBO, a two-stage test must be satisfied by the applicant authority. The first is that the defendant has committed acts causing or likely to cause harassment, alarm, or distress within six months of the date of issue of the summons. And the second is that an order is necessary to protect persons from further antisocial behavior. So you're right, Mark. It's uh, something where they very easily could spin this off into something where, well, if you get three ASBOs, then you have to go into a prison cell or you have to go into some sort of uh, re-education program or, or who knows what. But it's this kind of it's this idea of that the people in the, uh, that call themselves the state 
will get to just arbitrarily list things that they don't like. And then if you engage in those behaviors, then you're antisocial or you're mentally ill and you need to be forced into treatment. And this is the slippery slope, or an example of the slippery slope that uh, that I was talking about earlier. And uh, you know the, the the label of crazy or mental illness or all those things um, are it's the it's the sort of label that people just avoid. They, you know they're they're not going to look at oh well was this person really crazy? The government said they were crazy. They must be crazy. Toll free eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Here are a few examples of some of the what they call less conventional uses of asbos. As reported by the Home Office in the U.K., two teenage boys from East Manchester were forbidden to wear one golf club. A 17-year-old forbidden to use the word grass as a term of abuse in order to threaten people. A 15-year-old forbidden to play football in his street. An 18-year-old male was banned from congregating with more than three youths and subsequently arrested when he entered a very popular youth club. Tell me about this uh, one one golf club again. What is this? The first one? Uh, the two teenage boys from East Manchester forbidden to wear one golf glove. Good Lord. There's a citation here. The first farmer to be given an ASBO was instructed to keep his geese and pigs from damaging his neighbor's property. The oldest recipient of an ASBO, an 87-year-old man, was abusive to his neighbors. And the youngest person to be threatened with an ASBO, a two-year-old boy accused of kicking a football. Didn't they say it had to be 10 years old? Well, they can still threaten. They'll do whatever they want. A uh, two-year-old boy accused of kicking a football at windows over a fence... Uh, seven feet high and verbally abusing residents when asked to stop. Two years old. <laughs> precocious child. So, I don't know. There's, there's some information about a real-life example of how it is that the idea of mental illness has already expanded beyond just somebody who is going to harm themselves. It's expanded to people doing things that are uncouth, perhaps. Since doing things that uh, would not be looked on kindly, but otherwise would just be subject to ostracism. Now, of course, if somebody damages someone's property, there's restitution that should be paid. But uh, a lot of these things that we're talking about here don't in, uh, don't involve that. They just involve somebody's opinions or what somebody uh, did that didn't actually harm anything. Spitting? Spitting doesn't do any damage to anything. If you spit on something, I suppose that could be an issue. But toll-free number is 800-259-9231. Let's talk to Phil in Virginia listening to WSVG. Phil, you're on Free Talk Live. How you doing this evening? Hey, what's on your mind tonight, Phil? Uh, I'm feeling slightly uncouth. I better start looking over my shoulder. <laughs> well, um, you're in the UK. You're uh, you're not in the UK, rather. So you're okay for right now, most likely. But uh, give them time. It'll, it'll come here. It, that's exactly what I'm referring to. I better start looking over my shoulder uh, in case they start uh, flipping these kinds of laws into other much larger pieces of legislation. Um, anyway, um, I want to touch a little bit on the the social disorders, uh, mental illness, and so forth. I've noticed that part of the problem is that people don't seem to fully grasp a lot of true uh, mental disorders. A lot of it because of the fact that, as any of you listening to comedy, you know George Carlin had a bit on this. The language really doesn't give you an aspect of what's really serious and what isn't. Um, for instance, the term post-traumatic stress disorder, while it sounds fairly bad, Sounds a little worse when you refer to it by its original name of shell shock, um, and things like that. Bipolar used to be manic depressive, and I think there is a lot to be said about language and the fact that we try to soften. Uh, and this is a lot of this is bureaucratic nonsense. They try to soften the language so people don't feel bad about themselves, but no one else seems to get the point. 
uh, when it comes to this. And I also think that a lot of these terms are almost used in a blanket sense. Oh, well, some days they feel light, uh, more livelier than, uh, than others. Uh, they must be bipolar, especially medication at them. Mm-hmm. And whatever uh, it's absolutely this- true. Because yeah. I, let me let me tell you about this real quick. Uh, I had a girlfriend who decided that I I must be ADHD, and uh, here gave me a book on it and wanted me to go to a uh, psychiatrist. So I went to the psychiatrist. Oh, I asked him if I had ADHD. He said, I don't know. Here's some medication. Take this. <laughs> um, I felt so fuzzy and weird that I decided that uh, if this is what being normal is like, you people can keep that crap. I'm going back to the way I am. So this, you know, they'll absolutely diagnose you with any old thing that uh, that did you want them to, or somebody else wants. Well, them yeah, to. it makes some money, right? They've got an incentive to do it. More coming up. If you want to hang on, Phil, bring it back. This program is brought to you by Freekeen.com. Freekeen.com features audio, video, and blogs chronicling the transition to a voluntary society. Freekeen.com also has comments and discussion forums so you can be heard. Freekeen.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. If you take control of the airwaves, toll free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. We give away all the features. Enjoy them on us. freetalklive.com. Features including the wiki with over 1,800 pages created by listeners just like you. Head over to wiki.freetalklive.com. Get interactive free. W-I-K-I, wiki.freetalklive.com. Audible.com offers over 60,000 downloadable audiobooks, magazines, and radio shows for your iPod or MP3 player. Try them out by downloading a free audiobook at audiblepodcast.com slash FTL. They've got, like they say, over 60,000 audiobooks over there. Bestsellers, major books, things that you've been planning to read already. Do it uh, in a whole new way. You can listen to it on your iPod or MP3 player. It's audiblepodcast.com slash FTL. Go get a free one. All right, we've been talking about so-called antisocial behavior, uh, alleged mental illnesses, locking people up, whether that's appropriate or not. Let's go back to Phil listening. I believe he's still with us, Phil, uh, listening to WSVG in Virginia. Are you there, sir? He's gone. All right. Well, you know, we've been talking about uh, mental illness or what they call mental illness. In many cases, it could just simply be that you believe something different than the establishment. That could very well be what the mental illness is. Uh, and it was pointed out that if somebody is brought into court and they're convicted, or they're rather not convicted based on an insanity defense, that they're in many cases then put into some sort of mental health facility for an indefinite period of time. So it could actually be worse for them to go through, uh, to get not convicted of by reason of being insane. Right. And so, well, now it could be worse for people that are convicted of criminal charges uh, and Acquitted. And acquitted. Uh, according to the Washington Independent at WashingtonIndependent.com, Defense Department General Counsel Jeff Johnson moved the Obama administration into new territory from a civil liberties perspective. And, of course, they have George Bush and his administration to thank for paving the way toward this. Asked by Senator Mel Martinez uh, the politically difficult but entirely fair question about whether terrorism detainees acquitted in courts could be released in the United States, Department General Counsel Johnson said that as a matter of legal authority, the administration's powers to detain someone under the law of war don't expire for a detainee after he's acquitted in court. He said if you have authority under the law of war to detain someone under the Supreme Court's Hamdi ruling, that is true irrespective of what happens on the prosecution side. So, 
if you have authority under the law of war, whatever the hell that is, uh, I don't know what the law of war is. I, I didn't think we were at war. We didn't. We haven't declared war. Oh, well, they might say that we've always been at war, Mark, that uh, the country is constantly at war. The but country has never the not been in a state of war. Can't be um, a, a state of war can only be achieved through declaring war, and we haven't declared war. Do they ever undeclare the uh, the other wars that they've declared? Well, um, I, I Maybe don't they're know. still in those wars. But it's... we haven't declared wars against any of the countries that we're fighting. Well, I have not declared war, and the, I am not fighting those countries. I think you mean the U.S. federal government hasn't declared war against its current uh, enemies, and, and in that case, you would be correct. But if all declaration of war is is just a political designation then it would be easy to just say, well, they never undeclared those other wars, so we're still in those wars. Or it's an emergency, Mark. Uh, you know, emergency powers. Then there are provisions in the lovely Constitution for emergency uh, powers, as I understand it. Mm. So all they have to do is just declare an emergency. Oh, well, you know, there's an emergency, so now we'll just do whatever we want. And, of course, they'll just do whatever they want anyway. It doesn't matter if they declare war, declare an emergency, or they just do it. They'll always have an excuse. There's always a necessity. It's always, well, we needed to do this. And so that's what they're saying here is that under the law of war, which is just words on paper, whatever crap we wrote down, under whatever crap we wrote down a long time ago, uh, you know, we don't really just have to let you go, even if you've been acquitted. Doesn't matter what they say in the courtroom, according to them. The other thing that disturbs me is uh, war is when two armies fight. Right. Mm, yeah. And supposedly, there's not another army. What about the drug what war? We're doing, it, what we're doing is going out and uh, doing policing around the world. Uh, Don't include know, me in that. Ostensibly, part. well, what the United States is doing is going around doing policing around the world, ostensibly to uh, find Osama bin Laden. But uh, we <laughs> took a funny, uh, funny right turn and went to Baghdad um, in the process. I, I guess we've uh, headed out and uh, to Pakistan to find him now, but. You know, I don't know if this boogeyman is still alive or not, but uh, he certainly makes it a, a a good gives the government a good excuse for for hunting around for uh, for folks and throwing people in jail. I'm sure they'd come up with another one if he if he all of a sudden turned up, they'd find another reason to. But to keep going out there, well, he's got a second second in charge. We've got to go after him. Of I course. thought we got there his second in charge about four times well, now. As soon as you get the second in charge, it's just like taking a drug dealer <laughs> off the streets. There's just somebody else that's waiting to uh, to fill those. There's shoes, a new right? second. No, no, not in my judgment, said Johnson. This, again, the uh, Defense Department General Counsel. Oh, excuse me. Martinez asked, so is the prosecution, so the prosecution is moot. No, no, not in my judgment, Johnson said. But the scenario he outlined strongly suggested that it is. It's an administration review panel. If an administration review panel determines this person is a security threat and for some reason is not convicted of a lengthy prison sentence, I think we have the authority to continue to detain someone under law of war authority. See, all they have to do is just put some words together, law, war, and authority, and they've got themselves new powers. Boom. It's like magic, isn't it? He says, as granted, oh, it was granted to them, Mark, by the September 11th, 2000 or September 2001 authorization to use military force he said and beyond that source of authority we have the authority in the first place <laughs> see it doesn't even matter <laughs> these people it's crazy i it's it's true because we say it so you're damn right it is and he's right about that might they do makes, have the authority might does make uh, at least able if it doesn't make right they, exactly they have the men with the guns and they're not afraid to use them they've got the prison cells and they don't mind throwing you into them if you don't what like are you what they're do doing about it go on your radio show and complain that's about all we can do right yep at least we can do that at this point how long that will be an option i i don't know right. hopefully it'll be a long time 
Uh, but uh, but in the meantime, here we are, and we're doing everything we can, which includes the Free State Project, getting activists together in the same place in order to set themselves free from all this madness. There's a little more to the story. Uh, according to the author Spencer Ackerman at Washington Independent, he says, I'm no lawyer, but to detain someone after he's been acquitted in court if the president believes that person to be a... Wait, I'm no lawyer, but that sounds like a lot like Johnson is claiming inherent presidential authority from the Constitution to detain someone after he's been acquitted in court. Update, I think I'm wrong about that. Johnson is claiming authority from the law of war construct for such detentions, and that doesn't stem from any constitutional interpretation of inherent power. Doesn't matter, though. All of this is just subtle silliness. Uh, they'll they'll say what they want and do what they want. He says, oh, and Johnson also suggested that the U.S. detention facility at Guantanamo Bay might remain open after January 2010 since, according to him, quote, you can't prosecute some significant subset of 220 people before January. He said the administration will continue to deta- to detain some of those Guantanamo detainees, whether at Guantanamo or somewhere else. So, again, they're just sweeping it under the carpet, whether they detain them here in America or whether they move them over to one of those uh, secret CIA prisons in, a, in, an, in another country is all to be determined. And you'll keep paying your taxes, won't you? Because then they might hurt you. They might decide that you're antisocial. They might decide that you're mentally ill. I mean, it's, it's illness to not pay taxes. Taxes are the price that we pay to live it in a civilized like, society. It's it's a sad, sad sort of illness that we do pay taxes in order to uh, fund a government that does what this uh, what this one's doing. I'm not saying that this is the worst government ever. I'm saying that this is a very powerful government, and it would be so hard to to calculate what was the worst government ever ever, wouldn't it? Because some governments, while more despotic in a number of ways, are also more freeing uh, because they just weren't as large and uh, as all encompassing. Right. This is a very uh, large and very powerful government yeah. and I'm sorry but power does corrupt and you know there's going to be some things that uh, this government does that are that are not so cool I mean in this society we simply do not value people's lives that are not American citizens in the same way that we value American citizens you can tell from the news report when they say that uh, you know some airplane went down in some foreign country and they say no Americans were aboard and you go Whew. <laughs> yeah this, I, this just bears repeating one more time. I mean, just this, this whole idea that if a review panel, so arbitrary selection of bureaucrats, determines that a person is a security threat and isn't convicted for a long prison sentence, I think we have the authority to continue to detain someone under law of war authority. In fact, we have the authority in the first place. Don't even matter. We'll just do whatever. 800-259-9231 the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. Just dial toll-free, 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Tonight, it's Ian here with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features we give away. And if you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Just enter Amazon through that link, and Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. It's that easy. Just start your shopping experience at amazon.freetalklive.com. Dot com. Since we're talking about the federales, the federal government, and how it is that they just do whatever it is they want to do, doesn't matter what it doesn't matter what their own rules say. It doesn't matter what their supposed highest law of the land, their precious constitution, doesn't matter what it says. It doesn't even matter what they say. They just do what they want, and then they justify it afterwards. And if it turned out that it was illegal by their own rules, they'll just amend the rules later on after the fact and you know, exempt themselves from them. 
and they'll interpret the Constitution any way that they wish, and uh, sure. they'll get their uh, their little their little guys there in the Supreme Court to you know back them up to to, to say that uh, green is red and and blue is yellow. That's the legal world uh, for you. And one of the other things that uh, I think we can touch on in this this whole discussion of the the federal government and the things they say versus the things that they actually do is the social security number. Let's talk about that a little bit. Let's talk about how uh, uh, back in the day, before my time, I've only heard this. I think I might have actually seen a scan of one of these cards on the Internet. But the social security card that they issue to people used to actually say for – only for use for the Social Security uh, office or something like that, not to be used for identifying purposes. Or, mm-hmm. or I believe it was some sort of phrase like that. So the uh, I the think int- mine says that the intention was that this was a number that was only to be used with the Social Security agency for the purposes of administering the Social Security program to their uh, payees, recipients, and all that. That was the intention. But what government says isn't necessarily doesn't necessarily have anything to do with what they'll actually do. Mission creep. Right. Uh, the social security number has become your de facto government name. It has. And everybody knows it, right? <laughs> you, you can't do much of anything without it. Uh, they, they want it for any kind of banking purposes. Yep. Um, any kind of uh, – if anybody's extending credit to you, your social security number is pretty much required. Some you, of these companies that buy ads with us ask us for a social security number. So that they can file a 1099 um, at the end of the years. Uh, essentially, you can't do business without one. Yeah, so it is crazy, Uh, and that's what it has become. Now, you might be able to say that the original government uh, people that created the Social Security program really did have the intention for it to be a number that wasn't to leave the Social Security program. That was their intention, I'm sure. But it's just what government does. When a government program is created, it always expands beyond its original intentions. It always gets bigger and more intrusive and more oppressive and more expensive than it uh, than it has ever been. And the mission creeps, as you were saying, where a bureaucrat who's sure. an administrative bureaucrat wants more control. They want more employees underneath them. They have the incentive to work toward expanding the bureaucracy into more areas to do more things than it had ever done before. And so we've seen the same thing with the social security, just the social security number. You can look at any government program and see this. The social security number is such a great and obvious example of well, it. Because people, everybody has one, and they, the vast majority of people know that it's creeped. Uh, they accept it because, well, that's what do? government does, right. but it, it's a great example. So, uh, so one of the other things that government will try to tell you sometimes is how they care about your privacy. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and... Uh, they're, they're, you know, if you give them the number, they won't give it out to anyone or things like that. It's, it's, you're, you're to believe that somehow the government is a bunch of experts on security, but in <laughs> fact, they lose people's information all the time. We've had story after story on. They it. lose billions of dollars uh, frequently. Yeah, they just disappear. Uh, so let's talk about the actual number itself. Mark, you've got a story that says that apparently somebody has managed to sort of reverse engineer Social Security numbers from publicly available information. From Science Daily today, Carnegie Mellon and university researchers have shown that public information readily gleaned from governmental resources, uh, commercial databases, or online social networks can be used to routinely predict most and sometimes all of the an individual's nine-digit social security number. Project uh, lead Alessandro Accatisti, associate professor of information technology and public policy at Carnegie Mellon's uh, whatever college, a, a postdoctoral researcher at the uh, Heinz College. Both of these guys have uh, found 
An individual's date and state of birth are sufficient to guess his or her social security number with great accuracy. Wow. The study findings will appear this week on the online early edition of the Proceedings of the National Academy of Science and the uh, Black Hat uh, 2009 Information Security Conference in Las Vegas. The predictability of social security numbers is an unexpected consequence of a seemingly unrelated policies and technological developments that in combination make social security numbers obsolete for authentication purposes, <laughs> according to Ekitisti <laughs> and Gross. Now, the government won't stop using no. these. Banks won't stop using mm-hmm. these. All this basically says is that it's... You know, once once the uh, crooks figure this out, it's that much easier to assume your identity and yeah, uh, come close to at least, if not ruining your life, ruining it for a couple of months. Mm. Because many businesses use social security numbers as passwords or for other forms of authentication, a uh, use not and uh, a use not anticipated when social security was devised in the 1930s, the predictability of the numbers increases the risk of identity theft. ID theft um, costs Americans. Fifty billion in right. two thousand and seven alone. If the government hadn't expanded the social security number in the way that they did, then none of this would be an issue. It wouldn't be a big deal if somebody uh, routed out your social security number. They might be able to somehow commit fraud against your social security account, but that would be the end of it. I, I wouldn't know how to commit uh, fraud against my own social security account. You I wouldn't can't do either. anything with but it. But I'm just talking about worst case. Right. Right. That would be the end of this. Each individual business, uh, there could be a variety of marketplace functions that would be out there providing people with identification services, but no. We've got this one-size-fits-all, nine-digit number that the government issues to people uh, upon the, the date of their birth, essentially, that they're stuck with and forced to use if they want to engage in commerce in the, in the system that we have today. And it puts everybody at risk, and now what has happened is, because of the wonderful technology that we have, somebody has managed to figure out how to, uh, to essentially do the calculations on social security numbers. I read an article about social security numbers a while back where it kind of went down the, the numbers for the states. That's one of the easiest ones to get. If you're, in, yeah. if you're born in a certain state, there's just a number that's always on everybody's uh, social security card if you're, if you're in that state, as I understand it. And so they've just... It's related. Yeah, so they basically have ferreted out what the formula is to create a social security number, and uh, they figured out how to do it. It's brilliant. I mean, congratulations to them for figuring this out. And as you point out, Mark, the government's not going to change... They're not going to, they have no way, they, they wouldn't even know where to begin if they wanted to change the system. This, the social security number is so integrated into the government system in so many different areas. It would be a monumental task beyond all governmental possibility of even completion for I remember, them to do that. I remember when the uh, FBI couldn't get their own email accounts up. They just couldn't get a computer think, system to provide FBI agents with email accounts. I think they're still having trouble with that. With any, <laughs> with any uh, private business can pull this off, but not the FBI, not yeah. government. Government's just right. not incentivized in the same manner. They're, uh, and, and they may not be a bunch of incompetent, bumbling idiots. But they act like it mm-hmm. because they're not incentivized in the same fashion. Sorry. Yeah, if you thought that the Y2K bug was a tough one to ferret out, uh, to work out, the marketplace handled handled that one. But imagine having to go into all of the government systems that utilize the social security number for some sort of identification purposes, change all of that software around, and, and make whatever changes would be necessary to move away from the social security number. It's, 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 it's mind-bogglingly difficult to think about that. The Social Security Administration could uh, mitigate this vulnerability by assigning numbers to people based on a randomized scheme, but 
ultimately an alternative means of authenticating identities must be adopted, the authors conclude. That's the uh, the two scientists here yeah. say that, uh, well, the government might be able to make this a little better, but I, I don't even know if the government could, could start changing, would even have the capability of, of just changing their system for assigning Social Security numbers, that sounds like a monumental task for them. Yeah, right. I mean, this is the government we're talking about here. They have no incentive to do anything quickly. It won't matter to them if all of a sudden people start to get their identities picked off here and there all across the country. That's already happening. And It is already happening, but if it happens in a uh, much more increased clip, if it happens more often, they're not going to have any incentive to move any quicker. It won't matter if people are calling their congressmen and uh, and complaining about it. None of it will matter. Even if the representatives were to make a move on this and to pass some kind of legislation that said we need to do something about this, then it's still it's still a requirement that the government actually do something. And getting the government to move on anything in any kind of a speedy manner is very difficult task. Well, it's it, it's already a huge issue. Americans, uh, it, it cost Americans $50 billion in 2007. Identity theft, you mean? Identity theft. Yeah. And, and I don't know that, uh, the, I mean, so this certainly will increase it to some extent if the, the, the crooks figure out what these scientists figured out, because they said that they can predict people's social security numbers with some level of regularity. That's incredible. Well, I, can, I can tell you the crooks, unlike the government, the, the regular crooks have a motivation. Yes, like they do. They're, they're individually motivated to get this job done, whereas the government, well, they're still going to collect tax dollars whether or not uh, yeah. they do anything about this. Screw you, pay your taxes, citizen. All right, 800-259-9231. Did you say, oh, screw you, pay your taxes, citizen. Got it. Hour three's on the way. You bring up anything. This is Free Talk Live. They say we're hated for our freedoms. Their solution? Take away our freedoms. Either you're with us or you're with the terrorists. They spend both your lives and your money with reckless abandon. We're out of money now. We're operating uh, in deep deficits. One organization dares to dream of a world where nations compete for citizens instead of enslaving them. The Seasteading Institute is looking for pioneers to homestead the high seas and take civilization to the next level. Join the revolution at Seasteading. This is Free Talk Live. We're launching into the third hour of the program. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Toll free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian with you. And Mark. Join us online at freetalklive.com. We've got a lot of features on the site, and we give them away. So enjoy those on us, those other talk show hosts. They want to charge you for their websites. See what a good free talk website is supposed to be like at freetalklive.com, which is in the, uh, the the very slow process of being redesigned, and hopefully we will enter the world of Web 2.0 here within the next, I don't know how long. It'll happen, though. I know that Johnson is working diligently on it, and we're bringing on some extra hands to help with the project. So I'm I'm pretty excited about that. And I should probably stop talking about it or I'll jinx it or something like that. So let's go to your phone calls and talk to ladies first. Sierra is in Georgia. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Sierra. Hello. Hey, what's on your mind today? Hey, hey how are you? Well, my name is Sierra, um, and I just want to say me and New York Pollard, the reality um, star, we was recently friends before she made it to celebrity stardom. Who is now, this? I'm not sure I'm familiar with with the name. What was she it? played on she um had a show called I Love New York and she was on the Flavor of Love, Tiffany Pollard, aka New York. Never heard of her. But then again I don't watch television, so go ahead. What's what about her? Okay, well, um me and her 
was was friends and Rico, that's my friend, he's gay. He recently told me that New York said some disturbing things about me, like I was at, you know, a H O E and I So she's been trash she's been trash talking you. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Now I'm trying to be calm because I don't know what I can say on this radio station, but I can say, New York, if you're listening, let me tell you something. I'm the well, only <laughs> go ahead. real H I'm the only real H B I C up in this. Now if the H what? B I C the head oh, the B-I-C. chart. Yes. Now if Punkin would have spit on me, baby, I would have took her head off. Forget a clock. Forget what Flav, because you can find him anywhere because he's ugly anyways. And let me tell you something, baby. Let me tell you something. Does I this count as a shout out, Mark? I'm so confused. I love it. No, this is the, the, it's not. No, it's not a shout out. It's just no. Well, the reason know. I say that, are you new to the show, Sierra? How long have you been yes, listening to Free I'm Talk new. Live? I'm new. How long have you been I'm, listening? Well, I've been listening for a couple of days okay. now. Well, one of the things we don't really do on this program is uh, what they call shout-outs. I'm sure you're familiar with uh, with the terminology, the idea yes. that somebody uh, would call up the, the program and say, hey, I just want to say hi to my friend Jimmy, or whatever. This is kind uh, of a reverse shout-out. Re- that's why I'm saying, does this count as a shout-out? I think because, Sierra could no, put the what's happening on these people. Because, she's tra- because essentially what you're doing, Sierra, is you're calling and you're using our air to trash on somebody who may or may not be listening, and I don't know if she is. Uh, do you know if she even listens to the show? Oh, well, I know that she listens to the radio, but I'm not trying to shout her out. because <laughs> I've, got bad like news. I've got bad news for you. Number one, unfortunately, we are not on the air in Georgia, to my knowledge. And, uh, we okay. are not, you're calling from Georgia, and if you're a friend, where is she at? Well, Or your former friend. My- She's not my friend anymore. Right, right. Formerly your friend, the, this she, chick that you don't like. Yeah, she's in New York. She's in New York. Okay, while we do have a New York station or two, they don't air the show until Saturday night. So, again, I'm sorry to say that there is a 0% chance that this uh, lady is, is listening on the radio. But I want to thank you for your call tonight. I appreciate it. I hope that uh, whatever happens between the two of you, it doesn't get worse and it gets better. And, you know, at the very, at the very least, that you just go your separate ways. So I think that's uh, one of the best ways to handle a, a situation of somebody who's done you wrong and that you're very upset about. Uh, because that's what that sounded like to me. It sounded like Sierra was, was having a tough time. Uh, she's had a falling out with a, with a former friend and... I can say that that uh, that trash talking back isn't going to solve the problem. Uh, I think that maybe I think the best solution is to write a country music song about it. She didn't sound like a country music singer. Well, there's still an opportunity to make some money. Yeah, good point. I, uh, I heard some rhyming going on. I mean, there's there's an opportunity there. I, I think that, uh, you know, you could write a song. That could be very cathartic. Uh, is that the word <laughs> I'm looking for? Uh, you could write a song. You could also... Uh, I think calling a radio show and talking trash and confusing the hosts is cathartic. I think you, that's hilarious. You could also forgive... Your former friend for all of the the alleged trash talking she has done against you. I noticed you didn't ask her for a picture for the shrine. You know what? I should have done that. You know what? I should have done that because I I I, uh, I know who that is. I know who that is. You want to you want to know the story? Of course you do, right? This uh, lady Sierra called me. She got my phone number. I'm not sure how. In fact, I asked her how she got the number when she called because, you know, I'd like to know. You're not a uh, radio station calling me, and that's usually how the number is, is marketed to, uh, to stations. So, uh, so she says she searched for radio hot talk on the Internet, and my number came up. How bizarre. I don't know exactly how that ended up happening, but she 
uh, found the number. She called, and she thought she was talking to a radio station. So, no, I explained, no, this is a, I host a radio show, and we're not on the air right now because we're in the middle of the day when she called. And I invited her to call the show. But this was a couple of weeks back. And then she called the show uh, that night, but she called at like 9.55, so we were about ready to go off the air, and we didn't have enough time to, to get her in under the wire. And so later on, she calls – I had Sam over, and we were hanging out, and uh, later on, she calls back. <laughs> and so I I uh, told Sam real quick, here, here, take this call. And I gave the phone to him, and he had this conversation with Sierra where she was uh, – she, she claimed she's a porn star. Sweet. And she gave us a website with her picture. She's not a bad-looking lady at all. If it was really her, that uh, there's the photo that she, uh, that she gave us. And and Sam did ask her to uh, to take a picture for the shrine. So actually, she has been uh, that request has been made of her. And obviously, she she never sent it anywhere. If she if she took it, she never sent it. But odds are good she never took it. So and then so here tonight, she calls out of nowhere with uh, trash talking some chick named New York, who lives in New York. There you go. I, now you know. Now you know everything that I knew about that phone call. I don't, know much. <laughs> I don't feel like I know much. But yeah, I, I agree with you. I feel like that was a reverse, um, a reverse shout out, and I don't know if that's something we want to do here. I, I, I understand. However, it was going so well. Um, I, I, it kept my interest. Yeah, I was interested was... in hearing what she had to say. So that's why I let it go on. It was better than a shout out because of the, <laughs> because of the trash talking factor. But could you imagine that being somebody's radio show? I mean, could you imagine? Yes, like, absolutely. I can imagine that being somebody's radio show. Just that's, taking calls from people like that. Motivating as heck. What taking those phone calls? Taking phone calls like like that one. I mean, that was a that was a good phone call. I'm sorry. I, I, it's it's not our normal format. Yeah. But we would have let something like that go on six years ago when we were on 105.9. Oh, yeah, I let it go on because, yeah. uh, but but I, I'm, what I'm saying is, can you imagine having the kind of radio show it's, that, well, hold on, like, can well, you imagine having the kind of radio show like, you know, kind of like a top 40 music show or something like that, where that's your content, where people call in and like, you've got Trash Talk Tuesdays or something like that, where people call in and just trash on their former friends and associates or uh, business partners. Can I imagine that? Or whatever. Uh, I can imagine it, sure. Yeah, wouldn't that be, I would find that intolerable. That uh, <laughs> a consistent uh, that that kind of consistent radio show. I think that uh, I think that the, in in its if it's viewed in the light of creativity, and I felt uh, Sierra was being very createful, creative, um, and I don't know exactly what she's the head. What what is she the head of head what? We should have her call back, <laughs> Sierra. If you're listening, we need to have you call back during one of our podcast only episodes. You could tell she was being very cautious because I had explained to her when I was on the phone with her uh, privately. Uh, I explained to her that this is a radio program. We're not an internet show, uh, first and foremost. We are first and foremost a radio program, so you've got to watch your language. And you could tell she was being very cautious. And I appreciate that yeah, uh, about about her phone call. But it would be it would be interesting to hear what the trash talk would have sounded like without the FCC regulations. Why don't you get her to call back after the show, and then you can just record it? Problem is, I don't have her number, so we'll if just she... tell her call back after the show tonight. <laughs> 10 o'clock. All right, there you go. Uh, so let's continue with your calls. Josh is in Texas. You're on Free Talk Live. Hello, Josh. Hey, uh, back in May, my apartment got searched. I came home from work, and I found the warrant, and it said they were looking for uh, electronic equipment. They took my computers. Oh, boy. And, yeah, so I was trying to figure out what was going on. I called the detective, and he, refu- he refused to tell me anything. Nice. Unless I went in. 
Oh, great. Going for questioning. You know what? I've got some more questions I'd like to ask you, so hang on. We'll bring you back here in a moment. We'll find out about this a search. It's nice when they can just go and search your place, even if you aren't even home. Leave you a little, little note, a little love note from the cops. Hey, we were here. Just want to let you know. If you call us, we won't answer your questions. You'll have to come down and meet meet with us. I bet that would feel real comfortable. 800-259-9231. So we'll find out what happened to Josh here in moments and take your calls about anything. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up whatever's on your mind. Toll free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line tonight. It's Ian with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features we give away. They include archives. If you've missed a moment of the show, just click. They're yours on the front page of the website. Going back for an entire year, completely free for you at freetalklive.com. That, again, is freetalklive.com. Are you frustrated with the lack of freedom where you live? Are you tired of the oppressive state intruding into your business and personal life? If you knew that thousands of liberty-loving people were all moving to the same place and getting active, would you join them? You can. Just join the Free State Project at freestateproject.org. That's freestateproject.org as we go back to Josh in Texas. Josh, you're back on Free Talk Live. You had just begun telling us that you'd returned to your apartment recently to discover that it had been searched. They had left a note for you, and you called the detective. They apparently had stolen your computers. Uh, they said they were looking for uh, data of some sort. Uh, you tried calling to get answers, and that's where you left the story off. They wouldn't give you any answers over the phone. They wanted you to come down. So what else happened? Go ahead. I went and got a lawyer. And he filed a letter of representation. It's some kind of a Freedom of Information Act request. So I finally get the uh, affidavit. And it says a, that there was an informant from the Internet by the username of Dougie's. And that's how they got a warrant. Looking for a child porn. And I'm 20 years old, and that's ridiculous. Is, and where is this happening in Texas? I, I'm sorry. The, the informant's name was what? It was a, it was they just gave his username from stickum.com and it was like Duggars or something. So the, That's what they so, said. so somebody from the interwebs um, suggested that you might have child porn. Um, one of the one of the myriad of trolls on the internet said, said that you might have child porn and they, that was enough to uh, search your house. Apparently, the lawyer said that uh, the judge is prone to signing anything that comes across his desk. Mm, that is crazy. Uh, what is uh, when did this happen? When did this go down? Uh, the search happened the 29th of May, and I just got the affidavit today because the, the uh, detective was being very unruly and he wouldn't give them inf- any information. So have they bothered returning your computers at this point, or are they still searching through those? No, they haven't even called me. I had to call them, and they're, I guess they're still searching. Cause I, have to, I have to file a petition to get them back or something. My gosh. I, can you imagine uh, having to... Put all of your work, your life's work. I mean, if you're somebody like me, I do everything on the computer. I've got my database of affiliates where, uh, you know, that's that's how I make my living is I call radio stations. And, and you, it'd be tough for you, too. You've got all your sales information on, on your computer. And it's not like they leave you a computer that uh, has all your files on it so you can keep doing work. 
they t- they've taken uh, your your entire livelihood from you, and you're just supposed to sit on your thumbs and uh, hang out until they decide to give them back to you. And what if they do find uh, what they call child pornography, which may or may not be actually uh, may or may not actually be pornographic. It may just simply be naked pictures of uh, you know teenage boys or something like that, uh, which I think could be argued whether or not it was porn. Some people might say it is, but I I would say that if there's something sexual going on, then you more likely got porn. Either way, certainly there's there's no victim. But uh, but if if they do find something, how are you supposed to prove that it uh, wasn't them that put it there? What if you are somebody who is a political candidate for office and you've all of a sudden been targeted in uh, in one of these investigations and they find something? How are you going to prove that you weren't the one who put it there? How are you uh, First of all, how are they going to prove that you are the one who put it there in the first place because isn't it possible that uh, a roommate or, you know, family member was using that very same computer? How do you know everything that is on your hard drive? Yeah. So, I mean, I, assuming that this, uh, this this guy Dougie online yeah. uh, was able to find out how his identity and, and address and and then call the cops and send them over to his house, yeah, he assuming. may very well have been able to. I don't know. I, I I'm I don't know about these things. He may very well have been able to send some kind of Trojan horse into the guy's computer that has this kind of inform, uh, you know, this, these kind of pictures on it. Right. I mean, we're uh, we're assuming also the story is true as well. Is there a, a news story about this anywhere that we can where we can verify this, Josh? I haven't contacted the news. I'm trying to. I don't want like my family to know that I've been raided and stuff. <laughs> I see. Yeah, hey, I, I totally. Understand. I totally understand. I have no reason to disbelieve you. It sounds like a believable story. In fact, I have a uh, a related story that I've been save. I'm actually saving for uh, for Julia's show when she comes on later this week about how it is that uh, a guy, uh, one guy within the last month or so has been found guilty of. And I don't have the story in front of me, but essentially of having manga or manga or however you pronounce it, which is a a, a form of art that I think originated from uh, from Japan. Sometimes it's very adult oriented, and sure. what he had was some pictures that he'd ordered on the internet. The feds intercepted the mail, and they found that he had pictures of like little girls being molested by dogs or like men, you know, furry porn or something. He had some kind of porn that suggested that, uh, that boys or girls were being uh, sexualized in in some way. They were these, there was, are, these were drawings, right? Drawings of sex acts being performed on children involving animals or something like that. Something really weird, right? It was really bizarre when I when I read it. Uh, but the, he's been found guilty and is facing up to 15 years in federal prison because of this. So it's totally believable that uh, that they would come in and raid somebody's house on the flimsiest of pretenses. And I hope that you'll do us a favor, Josh, and keep us in the loop here as, as this develops, as you find out more. Uh, let us know what happens. Will you do that? I sure will, yeah. I contacted the ACLU, too, so hopefully they can find out whether or not it was even sufficient probable cause. And th- was it the local cops, too, that did this, or were the feds involved at all? No, it was the local cops. Interesting. Good luck out there, and uh, let us know what happens. Thank you for the call tonight. 800-259-9231. Is it that easy? Is it really that easy? And if you don't like somebody, you just make some allegation up about them, and they'll uh, the cops will bust in, steal their stuff, and then... What do they do? What do you do? How do you what get your... What do you do? You've got to hire a lawyer to get your computer back? I don't know about you, Mark, but I, I don't know if I could afford a lawyer right now. 
I don't have a whole lot of money to my name. Yeah. I, 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 cer- I certainly wouldn't want to have to, to, to shell out that kind of money. At the end of the, this whole thing, you've shelled out $10,000 maybe, and then what do you have? Well, hopefully you have what you had when you started, but it's years down the line, and yeah. God knows what you uh, you know lost in the process. Not to mention that my computer's gone, and I can't do you know the work that I would normally do. God, it would be awful. And how much, how much uh, sympathy or how much empathy is he going to get if he goes to the news? I mean, if he goes to the the media, are they going to want to cover a story about a potential pervert? You know, are they going to want to take the side of the accused in this particular case? Would they be interested in that story? I don't know. I, I don't know how how gutsy uh, a lot of the news teams around this country are. I know some of them are really uh, cowed by the state. You know, they don't want to uh, they don't want to be questioning towards authority because it means that they won't get the scoop the next time they need some information from the sheriff's office or from the police yeah. department. So they don't want to push the they don't want to push the envelope. They don't want to question too hard. And it's really disturbing to me that this stuff goes on. And how often does this happen that we don't know about? How often do people, uh, are people like Josh put into this situation where they don't know who to turn to besides a lawyer? And the lawyer's going to take their money. And like you said, eventually maybe they'll get their stuff back and the charges will be dropped. My neighbor next door who had his house uh, raided, my tenants they had their house raided. The charges were dropped, I found out today. Or at least so they've said. I said you better get it in writing to make sure. It's Free Talk Live. Attention, all active duty members and veterans of the U.S. military. Your proud service to your country entitles you with the right to participate in special VA loan programs with benefits not available to the general public, like the ability to purchase a new home with no down payment or mortgage insurance, or refi with cash out up to 100% of your present home equity with less strict credit criteria. You are entitled to these benefits. Review them online at varadio.com. This is Tim Lewis from iFreedom Direct and a veteran of Operation Iraqi Freedom. I want you to know that as a member or veteran of the United States military, you've earned special rights and privileges. On your feet and get the details at varadio.com. iFreedom Direct Corporation is a private lender approved by the VA and licensed in most states. In certain states, certain restrictions and limitations apply. For a current list of licenses, disclosures, and all benefits, go to varadio.com. varadio.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever you want. Just dial toll-free, 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line tonight. It's Ian with you. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features we give away, so enjoy those, including the bulletin board system. Over 1,800, not 1,800, that's the wiki. Over, I get all confused with these numbers. Uh, over 450,000 posts are at the BBS, and we probably have over 1,800 users there. Whether or not they all actually actively use the forum is another question. Uh, but nonetheless, it's a lot of fun. There's a lot of stuff to talk about from serious issues to fun stuff. You'll find it all, and it's free over at bbs.freetalklive.com. And join more than half a million people who've trusted LegalZoom.com for their common legal documents. Incorporate your business, create a will or a living trust, even register a trademark empowering you and protecting you with common legal documents that people trust. You're protecting your family, too. If you die right now and you don't have a will, your family, you know, all your stuff goes into probate, and your family won't be able to touch it for years. Just go to LegalZoom.com, fill out these this fast, easy document. It's very inexpensive, and uh, use code FTL to save 10 bucks off your order. It's LegalZoom.com. I did it. It was fast and easy. 
So we will continue here discussing something that uh, is one of my personal favorite things to talk about. Or I guess we're not going to continue the discussion from earlier tonight, but it's a generally a general continuation. Secession, or as I prefer to call it now, de- independence. Declaring independence for oneself or for a, a geopolitical designation uh, that we typically call states. I think the idea has uh, is an idea that's time has come again. It's time to start talking about it seriously, and I think a lot more people have been doing just that. And I'm very pleased with the fact that secession or independence has become a topic of discussion around the country. And anything that we can do to help increase that conversation, to help increase the likelihood that it'll come up at a dinner table or Mm -hmm. come up on local talk radio or come up wherever, your workplace, any place you're around other people that are socializing, bring this issue up. Don't be afraid to to, uh, don't shy away from this, because I think there's I think this is one of the most important issues of our time. It's critical that people are discussing independence in a positive manner, in a manner that uh, that suggests that it's possible and that is encouraging toward it. I just took a Zogby poll, uh, and one, you know, they do this online poll thing, mm-hmm. and sometimes I'll fill it out and sometimes I won't, but they sent it to me uh, over the weekend. I had a little time, so yeah. I went on and I filled it out. And one of the questions was, basically, do you support a, uh, I think it's a, a state or geographic area's mm. right to secede from the Union? Excellent. I don't know if they send you the uh, – do they send you the results? It's been a long time since I've done this no. Ogby thing. So here's a story from the American conservative and their perspective from the, the, the right's perspective on the idea of secession, at least this particular article, uh, John Payne, his perspective. He says uh, he wanted to stimulate some discussion over the Independence Day weekend. So he's reposted what he posted on his personal blog to honor the United States' secessions from the British Empire, he says, yes, that's meant to be plural. Up until 1865, it was the United States are, not the United States is. Uh, from the British Empire, the good folks at A Thousand Nations have been blogging on the topic of secession all week. You can find an index of their posts over at A Thousand Nations.com. I highly recommend them, he says, especially for those of you who've never given much thought to breaking up the United States into more manageable units. And let me tell you, since we're talking about conservative types, when I was at the tax day tea protest thing that they mm-hmm. had uh, over the weekend, that was pretty much obviously the mindset of the people there because it was clearly a partisan event. Uh, but nonetheless, most of the folks that I had, I had had individual one-on-one conversations with did not have any intention of doing secession. They still believe this is the best country in the history of the world and we got to do whatever it takes to keep it together. So they weren't too receptive on an individual basis, but when I brought up the idea of New Hampshire seceding or declaring independence is how I phrased it, uh, because I think it's more positive sounding and it doesn't it doesn't evoke the idea of slavery or anything like that. Uh, so when I suggested that New Hampshire could declare independence, it was a relatively decent response from the crowd. Obviously, I hadn't had a chance to talk to everybody, so... Some open minds out there towards this idea. He says, although those contributions to the debate are ample... Allow me to offer my own take on why secession is still a good idea. Number one, the most basic reason for supporting secession is that it makes government more accountable to the people that it governs. The smaller a polity is, the easier it is for an individual's objections to be heard, whether that be through voting, petition, protest, etc. It also becomes harder for one group to oppress another the more they have to interact with each other. 
dehumanizing some distant group is very easy. You know, like Muslims. Hmm. Uh, so it's much harder to do with your next-door neighbor. In the words of my all-time favorite libertarian hero, Karl Hess, Adolf Hitler as, as Chancellor of Germany is a horror. Adolf Hitler at a town meeting would be an a-hole. <laughs> And I think these are interesting points because uh, while they may not be so persuasive to somebody who's already of a liberty mindset, these may be things that will work well on a, on a conservative type who has never thought of the idea of uh, secession seriously before. So keep this in mind, the idea that uh, the smaller political designation is better representation. Not that it's going to be a whole lot better, but it's at least reachable. At least the representative so-called here in New Hampshire, you can actually talk to them. Now, I don't know if that's the case out in California or whatever, but California's not my concern. Number two. Oh, and he points out that even if some Hitlerian figure were to take over an independent state or town, it's far easier to flee a small polity than a larger one. Getting out of the old Soviet Union was extremely difficult. Getting out of Missouri, maybe not so much. Number two. The harmful effects of bad policies are seen and felt far more quickly the smaller the polity. A huge nation like the United States or China can easily persist in wealth-destroying policies for generations because their benefits are concentrated at special interest groups that agitate to continue the policies while the costs are dispersed onto the rest of the population. This is why our government, uh, he calls it our government, I don't consider it mine, uh, but this is why the government people uh, subsidize corn so heavily. But it would be nearly impossible for Iowa to continue those policies if it seceded. There would be fewer people to tax and more people expecting benefits leading taxpayers to demand subsidy reductions and corn farmers to care less about keeping them as each individual farmer's share of the loot would drop. Uh, would drop. Number three, the United States long ago ceased to be anything resembling the republic the founders envisioned. When the Constitution was ratified, there were 30,000 people for every representative of Congress. And for many of the founders, like George Mason, uh, George Mason who spearheaded the drive for a Bill of Rights, this number still seemed high. But now, with over 300 million people in the country and the number of representatives capped at 435, there are almost 700,000 people for every representative Oh, I didn't know that they had, they had capped the uh, representatives. I didn't even know that. A number that will continue to grow. It may be absurd to believe that one person can represent 30,000, but that just makes it all the more absurd to believe that one can represent 23 times that much. I would say it's absurd to believe that one can represent three or two. Two, maybe, maybe, but you'd have to have uh, you know agreement among those people in the, order for representation to actually happen. And the uh, the more people that a representative represents, and you said a seventy thousand at this point, or seven hundred, seven hundred thousand, the less your vote matters because mm. if you're one of seven hundred thousand people who are going to vote on their House of Representatives guy, and then you. You know, you, you throw in the mix that maybe only half of the population is going to vote, and that's on a presidential election. Bring it down to 20 percent for a you know off uh, off year, then you realize that the you know how many people will always vote Republican and how many people will always vote Democrat? Probably around 30 percent. Mm-hmm. Then you figure that there's a you know there's that 40 percent in the middle that are going to make that decision. You know, the 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 likelihood that your vote is going to matter is just mm-hmm. infinitesimal infinitesimal even if you did even if your vote was the deciding factor in an election it wouldn't matter anyway because that person doesn't know who you are they're not interested in what you're interested in and there's no way in hell you could ever claim they're representing you and if hitler and stalin were running against each other who would you vote for i'd stay home well 
you you probably would. But everybody out there, you know, Hitler would have his uh, marketing machine in place, and right. Stalin would have his uh, and, his election machine, and, and people and, would know, hold their nose and say, "I have to vote for somebody, a lesser of two evils." And and you know, that's it, it, it's it's that only written a little smaller. Well, we got to prevent Stalin from getting in. Oh my God, we've got to get we got to prevent Stalin from getting well, in. Well, we've got to prevent Hitler from getting in, or whatever they would say. To Stalin justify. wants the fairness doctrine. More on the way here. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. He's got another point on independence or secession, whatever you want to call it. It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything. The toll-free number for you is 800-259-9231. Only moments remain. We'll do our best to get you on the air if you dial now. 800-259-9231. Tonight, it's Ian with you. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. If you like the show and you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can help us get on more radio stations and bring more Internet listeners on board by learning how to promote Free Talk Live at promote.freetalklive.com. There are a whole list of things that you can do there, everything from calling your local talk stations to putting up flyers and and more. Uh, You'll find a whole list, and most of them are completely free. So head over to promote.freetalklive.com. Just a few more points on independence. We'll jump back into the calls here in a moment. Uh, the story is from amconmag.com, where John Payne is outlining some of the reasons that he thinks secession or another declaration of independence uh, for states or localities would be a good idea. And he's making some pretty good points. He's targeting the the conservative audience. So think about these points if you know people in your life that uh, would consider themselves conservatives and you get into the conversation of the idea of independence or, or secession. Think about bringing up these ideas about how it is that he points on his first point that the smaller a political designation is, the uh, the more accountable that government is. Uh, also, the uh, harmful effects of bad policies are seen and felt more quickly in a smaller political designation. He points out that the so-called representatives are representing over 700,000 people in every congressional district in the United States. And it's just madness to believe that they could they could represent 20 people, let alone 700,000 people. He says it's the equivalent of six people representing the entirety of the American population at the time of the Constitution's ratification. We can only restore the level of representation circa 1790 in two ways, expanding the number of representatives from 435 to just over 10,000, Wow! or by dividing the country up into smaller polities. The first option raises the obvious question of how an organization of 10,000 could function and where they could meet, but will also make each representative's power negligible in exact proportion to how much it would strengthen each citizen's power to influence the representative, making the whole point moot. The only possibility for each American to live in a representative republic is secession. Number four, not that that's what I want, but it would be better than what we have. Getting to a republic of New Hampshire would be far preferable to having this United States behemoth. His final point, number four, many of our states are as large as most other countries. There are more people in California than in all of Canada. More people in New York than in Taiwan, Australia, or North Korea. 
more people in Florida than the Netherlands, almost as many in Missouri as in Ireland, and more in Texas than Austria, Switzerland, and Israel combined. Right, and one of the reasons that people don't you don't uh, the people don't want to see the United States split up the average citizen is because the average citizen gets a certain emotional boost from the United States is is the the biggest Best country in the world. That's the biggest financial power in the world. We our gross national product is such and such. Yeah. You know, we are the richest people in the world. Blah, 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 blah. Bragging the thing rights. Is, it's, for one, it's just land mass. Uh, but, Our you know, team wears blue. <laughs> it, if it wasn't for the fact that it was just so darn large, then it wouldn't be comparable in many ways. I mean, how does Mississippi do on the uh, the world scale so of uh, well. uh, gross national products? But I'm sure that there's lots of conservatives in Mississippi that fly that flag and say, yay, America. Well, actually, he talks about GDP right now. He says, furthermore, our state economies are even larger than our populations relative to the rest of the world. Check out, uh, and then he links to a map where it shows... Uh, that country, what country the GDP of each state matches up with? New Jersey is on par with Russia, Nebraska with the Czech Republic, North Carolina with what that supposed paragon of social democracy, Sweden. The most common objection I hear to secession, he says, is that the states are too small to survive on their own. But that position has no basis in reality. So given all this, why not secede? What exactly do we have to lose but trillions of dollars in debt, an overly aggressive foreign policy that does nothing to keep us safe, and federal taxes that are sure to go only higher? So citizens of America uh, disunite, he says. I love it. Great points. I do, too. You know, it would be... Um... It would be a better idea if we could secede in little sections. Um, now, the free I, land of Keene. I'm, I'm all for that. That much. <laughs> that much too. I would like to see smaller sections. Uh, as a matter of fact, I don't care if, if the rest of them secede. Just, nope, uh, I don't just my little chunk of land would would secede at that point, and then you know I, I, things would be fine. I don't know what the uh, Marklandia. Yeah, I'm not sure what the border crossing would be like, but Edgintonia. I I I I don't know. I I think I'd call it something like uh, Edgetown. Uranus. Edgeville. Just so people would have to say Uranus all the time. <laughs> um I, Wait, that, doesn't that viol it doesn't that violate your rules? If Which you were the king it? if you were the king of the world that you wouldn't allow one place to be named the same as another? Or since it's another planet, it wouldn't count? Yeah, well if if I was the king then I could do whatever I want. I see. Yeah. But the rules um, don't apply to you. <laughs> that's how kings are, man. So uh, but when you're talking about uh the sections of the center of the country, Kansas, Iowa, they brought mm -hmm. up. Maybe those places would want some coastline. So, yeah, I would there like are to other countries in the world in the world that don't have coastline. There are. They're okay. Yep, they're okay. Yep. Let's go to Mike in Indiana, listening to WIMS, or he would be. Mike, you're on Free Talk Live. Hi, how are you? Hey, what's on your mind tonight, dude? Uh, I'm calling about the uh, Social Security number. Yes, sir. We were talking before. Mine does have the red letters on there saying it's not to be used for ID. Mm -hmm. And uh, I went into the bank and filled out everything, you know, I was going to get an account. And they said, oh, you need your Social Security number. So I pulled the card out and I said, it says right here, <laughs> not to be used as an ID. The guy, his eyes rolled back in his head. And I oh, no, him, not said, another one of these. <laughs> so I told him, I said, hey, uh, I said, you're violating federal law just asking me that. You know, uh, well, that's not I true. I talk to your boss. <laughs> it's probably not true that he's violating federal law. He's probably well, required by law to ask for it by the Patriot right. Act. So uh, I got his manager and I told him, I said, same thing. 
And I said, besides, when I get a driver's license, all I need is a birth certificate or this or that. And you don't even use what the state requires for ID. And basically, by the time I got out of there, I never gave my Social Security card. That's where I bank. Get out of here. All Pretty right. tricky. Wait a minute. You're claiming they actually allowed you to open the account? Yes, sir. What bank? It's uh, National City. National City? I'll be damned. Yes, That's sir. a national bank, isn't it? Yes, it is. And I told them, I said, well, I live here in Indiana, and I moved back here. I lived somewhere else for a while, and I had to get my driver's license. I needed a birth certificate and, like, my lease agreement or a uh, utility bill or something like that. That's what the state required. And I said, so you guys don't have to follow state regulations? So what did you have to to. give them? Did you have to give them the driver's license and the birth certificate? Or what what did you end up handing over to get the account? I gave my new driver's license I just got, and then Mm -hmm. I had my birth certificate. And then I had my utility bill with me or whatever, and I said, you need to see that. I said, this is all the state requires. And I said, you should have to go by the state rules. And like I said, I never gave them my Social Security number. It's an amazing success story well, and I've, one that... Uh, I've heard of this um, many times, people saying that this can be done as far as getting bank accounts and yeah. banking there. Um, and I think that mostly it's just that uh, people don't question. You, you know, they look at the bank as it, it's something akin to the government. They're always going to banks and banking. Basically is. And, um, <laughs> well, to some extent, they they don't even question what banks ask. If the bank asks, well, what's your children's, uh, you know, all, name all your your children, mm-hmm. their full names and, and date of, dates of birth and their social security numbers. Sure, blah, uh, they, blah, blah. People would, people would name yeah. that crap, too. It's amazing what, um, when, when somebody goes in to a, apply for something, it's amazing what kind of information information they'll give up right i uh, i love the story and it's one that i'd never really have heard before there've just always been rumors about people doing such things but no one has ever named the bank uh, no one has ever actually called that i as i recall to to tell a success story in that way so i I hope that some other people are encouraged by your success and they try this themselves. I mean, what's what's the harm, right? I mean, if you go into the bank, you go into a bank. Obviously, you don't want to go to the bank where they already know who you are. But right. uh, but you go into a new bank and you apply as a as a brand new customer. And and I actually tried this down in Florida and I bombed out. I don't remember what they're. Uh, they basically just told me to take a hike. That uh, you know they didn't. If I didn't, wasn't going to give them the information that they weren't going to give me the account. Um, but it wasn't National City. It was another national bank that uh, that I'd gone to. I, th- I think I actually went to a couple of different banks just to try it, just to see what would happen. It didn't work. Said that when he told me, he goes, "Well, we don't have your Social Security card." I go, "Why do you need that?" He says, "So we know who you are." And that's when I laid it on him. He says, "Not for ID, pal." Yeah, I probably just didn't ask the right questions or whatever. I, I love your uh, your approach, and I, I hope that some more people will give it a shot, and, and hopefully it'll work for them. Because if you can if you can have a bank account that's not tied to your social security number, I wonder how easy it would be for the state to pull that up. Like, well, would the they? State, the way I look at it is, they have to go by state regulation. Yeah, I mean, it sounds like you held their feet to the fire. I thank you for the call tonight, and thanks for the story. Spinning in here with you. Good job, Mark. And in Mark. We will return tomorrow night. You can join us online in the meantime at freetalklive.com.
You and your spouse are going to jail and your kids are going to child protective services. You're busted for possession of marijuana. Possession of marijuana. Possession of marijuana. Hi, I'm Barry Cooper, ex-narcotics officer trained by the DEA. My DVD, Never Get Busted, has recently received world attention. I switched sides and I'm now touring America with the message to end this war on people that has been labeled the war on drugs. Go to Barry's website, NeverGetBusted.com, and order your DVD to Never Get Busted. On it, I'll teach you secret drug enforcement tactics and how to avoid narcotics profiling, how to conceal your stash, and I'll teach you how to fool drug dogs every time. I'll teach you how police know when you're lying. You'll get to go on patrol with me and watch actual marijuana arrests on the highway and learn the mistakes citizens made that landed them in jail. Go to NeverGetBusted.com and arm yourself with the information you need so you'll never have to hear these words. Get on the ground, mother... You and your spouse are going to jail and your kids are going to jail. Log on to NeverGetBusted.com.